Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Make it quite clear to the vicar that you only do electrics executively. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping Up Appearances, the luxury podcast. This is the companion podcast for exploring the world of Hyacinth Bouquet in the hit BBC sitcom Keeping Up Appearances. My name's Jonathan Vernon-Smith and with me co-presenting in purely an executive and managerial capacity is William Hansen. Hello, Jonathan and I are here because, as you know, we absolutely love Hyacinth Bouquet and her world and keeping up appearances, and we want you to love her and the sitcom as much as we all do. Now, in each episode of our luxury podcast, William and I will take you through an episode of Keeping Up Appearances, delving deep into the world of the bouquets. Today is the seventh, final episode of the fourth series, and it's a good one. Take us through the synopsis, please, William. Hyacinth has volunteered Richard's services to fix a fault with the electrics in the church hall. He is none too keen, as understandably, he doesn't think that he's qualified to do the work. Anyway, he goes under the stage to do what he can and finds the vicar, who's hiding from Hyacinth. Eventually, they're joined by Onslow and Emmett, also both anxious to escape. Richard's attempt to solve the electrical fault doesn't exactly help the bring and buy sale, which is being held in the church hall. Filmed beautifully in Northampton. Yes. A lot of filming in Northampton in this episode. I have been, as we've said before in this podcast, I have been myself to the church and the hall. and Still I, looks the same. Yes, and where did I park? In the space reserved for the, the Drummonds. From the Grange, you yes, know. yes. The episode begins with Hyacinth standing at the end of the drive, waving to Sheridan, who's just left in a cab. Alas, we've missed the opportunity to to glimpse Mm. Sheridan yet again. We just see the back of a a man's head sitting in the back of a a London taxi. Yes. This is clearly set in the Midlands. It's the green one again, isn't it? Yeah. That green one features a lot. Yes. They obviously borrowed the same cab. Goodbye, Sheridan! I do wish she'd reconsider wearing a vest. What do we think Sheridan actually looks like? A bit like Maris and Fraser. We never see Sheridan. What I, do we think he actually looks like? In I, your head, what is he? Well, I, I, I don't really have a face for him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I assume he's brown-haired. Yeah. And I presume he's quite slim. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, I don't really know what he looks like. No, and I can't work out in my head, because the only thing we know about Sheridan, obviously, is what we hear normally on the telephone or in references. I can't work out if he's a little bit of a dweeb, because he's a bit sort of pathetic, and he wears a knee bandage and all of all of that, and he makes mm. his own curtains. Not that there's anything dweebish about making your own curtains. Or 
he's re- he's revolted so much against his mother. He's actually quite left wing. We hear in this about wanting to join the workers' revolutionary vanguard, uh, and actually a bit of a sort of a party gay. I'm going to say it. Party gay. I th- yes, wow. and actually it's very different. I don't know. I can't work out. I am on a number of Keeping Up Appearances Facebook groups Mm. and quite often the bucket heads on there, um, they like to share photographs of what I can only describe as flamboyant homosexuals (laughs) suggesting that this must be Sheridan and his boyfriend Tarquin. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't... I'll be honest with you... Is that homophobic? Well... I, I think people, they mean it in the nicest possible way. Yeah. And they're just having a bit of fun. But I, for me, I don't want to see the face of Sheridan. I don't want to know what his face looks like. No. Because I guess a bit like Maris and Frasier, that would ruin the exactly, joke. Exactly, it would absolutely ruin the, the joke. Well, Buckethead, obviously this is the last episode of Series 4, but if, if you have a very clear image of what you think Sheridan looks like in your head. Send us a sketch. Yes, sketch or or describe it. (laughs) Get in touch with us on Twitter. Jonathan's on Twitter. He is... The official JVS. I'm on Twitter at William Hanson or I'm on Instagram, William Hanson Etiquette. Write in in that way and we'll read it out in Series 5. Share your your images of our Sheridan. (laughs) Bye, Sheridan! She's very upset to say goodbye to him and finds the postman trying to creep up the driveway behind her. And her mood changes like that. Yeah, she snaps out of it straight away. And she explains that she's obviously said goodbye to her son. And does he, does the postman have children? You know, would he know? And he says he has seven. <laughs> At which point she comes out with a brilliant line. It's hilarious. Quite an achievement when you have to be up so early, she says. <laughs> it's a mercy you're on foot and not on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent writing. Yeah, I like that. She comes into the house and she's talking to Richard. She's sad about saying goodbye Mm. to Sheridan and she's worried about him. She thinks he might be getting thin and losing his hair. Yes, and uh, she doesn't like the new hairstyle, which presumably is is being brought in to cover, you know, hair being lost. Yes. He used to have such lovely hair. What? hairstyles of you have you always had that hairstyle uh, this is the only hairstyle i can have you okay. can't fashion my hair into any other shape and describe it for the listeners that don't know what you look like well i would say it's um it's short very thick hair mm. um i would describe it as executive blonde <laughs> although increasingly when i have my hair cut and i look down at my lap mm. it's absolutely covered in gray hair Gosh. But my hair doesn't really look that grey, does it? Do you think? No. No, it doesn't. No. But when it's cut, it does. Yeah, wow. It's very, very grey hair. But it's it's kind of slightly curly and just very thick. You can't do anything with it. Have you considered just for men? Are you suggesting I need to consider just for men? No, but, you know, if you're worried about the grey. I'm not. Okay. No, I'm happy to become a silver fox. Why are you laughing at that? Well, we need a new one. <laughs> There's a gap in the market. <laughs> I, see, I see what you mean. That's a topical joke. And what about this new interest of his? The workers' revolutionary vanguard. Is it really suitable, do you think? 
With Sheridan's education and background, surely he ought to be in the executive's revolutionary vanguard. So Sheridan wants to join, as I say, the workers' revolutionary vanguard, whatever mm. that is. It sounds very left-wing. It does. Onslow and Daisy are in bed. Daisy wants a second honeymoon. And then they start talking about football. And I'll be honest with you, that's the moment they lose me. Well, yes. And then and it, it, it's always lost me. But then I thought, I wonder what football team Geoffrey Hughes supports. Was it Liverpool? No, it's Everton, which, of course, is the rival to Liverpool. So I suspect the scene, I don't know whether this was a Harold Snowd or a Roy Clark, was written because, obviously, it's Onslow slash Geoffrey Hughes getting a dig in at the rival team. Hilarious. <sighs> yeah. But anyway, fun fact, Geoffrey Hughes, being obviously from the Wirral, supports Everton. I hate leaving the house while Sheridan's bed is still warm, but you didn't promise, dear. Hyacinth informs Richard that he's helping out with the electrics at the church hall. Um, there's a rather nice moment where she's going round and round in circles using that set rather brilliantly. Again. Yes, always with a different thing. That's right. Including that fruit bowl that we've discussed previously, the fruit bowl that lives in the uh, sitting room. Yeah. Richard, of course, is horrified. What do I know about electrics, he says. Now, Richard, <laughs> you repaired the Christmas tree lights, dear? Obviously, he's a qualified electrician. Of course. Yes. Clear logic. Yeah. Are you good at electrics? No. No. I'm absolutely not good at electrics. My brother is. Right. My brother's excellent. Yes. If I tried to do anything with electrics, I'd probably blow the house up. Right. So you would do a Richard. I would definitely do a Richard. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't trust me with electrics. I've never done electrics, executively or not. But the other day, uh, we, had, we had to install a new hob, uh, a ceramic hob. Uh, what had hob. happened to your previous hob? Mikey fused it. Mike fused your hob. Yeah. How did he do that? He he's not been well, and he went to boil an egg, popped the pan on, popped the egg in, left it, and then went to go and blow dry his hair. Right. And obviously couldn't hear over the hairdryer, and got carried away blow drying his hair. Yeah. And the pan boiled over, and went under the thing and just oh, fused no. the entire thing. Yeah. Really. Mm. We now have a. a Fire extinguisher in the house, just in case. Gosh, you're lucky you didn't burn the house down. Yeah. Anyway, so we've got a new hob, an induction hob. You know, it's very easy. You just unplug it at the back, plop it into the space. Same measurements. But obviously it needs to be sealed with, you know, sealant. Mm -hmm. Silicon. S silicon sealant. So I thought, any idiot can do that. I'll buy... Uh, there's no point getting someone in. Even I can put silicon sealant yeah. around the I can. I yeah. can do silicon sealant. So I bought, I've spent literally 15 minutes reading all the reviews on Amazon of different silicon sealants to see which one was, some are flame-proof, some are heat-proof but not to flames, some are water-resistant. Did, did all my research. I also wanted clear, not, not black, not white, clear. Mm. Ordered it, came the next day. Right, Mikey, take the new hob out. Let's, you know, go around. We were pushing on the end of the silicon. Our thumbs, it was only a little tiny little was didn't coming you cut out. the end off? Yeah, well, you know, we cut the end off, but we're yeah. pushing on the other end to get the silicon out. Well, didn't you have a gun? No, I didn't realise we needed a gun. Oh, you wally. No wonder our thumbs hurt. You tried to push a silicon sealant tube with your thumb. Yeah. Right. So in the end, we gave up, and the hob's still not sealed. Oh, why didn't you tell me? I could have brought my gun. Yes, everyone said this now, but I, who has a silicon gun lying around? Well, I do. I've got one in my shed. Yeah, but I don't have a shed, do I? I could have done your siliconing at the soiree. 
Well, come round again. Oh, I'll come round. Would you like me to come and do siliconing for you? Yes, but not for the next two weekends we're away. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. At our place in the country. I'd get a professional in, to be honest. For that? Yeah. Because how long, if I had a gun, that would have taken me, what, five minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it wouldn't take any time at all. I think a professional will laugh at me. Well, I'll come round and do it for you. Okay, thank you. No problem. To be fair, next door might have a gun. Silicon gun. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'll ask them. Don't underestimate your electrical abilities, dear. Anyway, we go to Onslow's bedroom. uh, And more football chat. It was Uncle Derek's fault, apparently. Now, have we ever been to a football match? I have been. No, I know you've been. I haven't. In fact, I went to Onslow's rival team, Liverpool. Nor do I have the, the least desire no. to ever go to a football no, match. No, I can't endorse it. No? No. Dreadful. But I was taken up the cop, which is uh, one of the stands at Anfield. Did you enjoy it? No. Oh. And it was in the times when uh, the smoking ban had not come in, so it really dates that. Ooh. And in the interval, we went and passive smoked at the bar. Oh, how awful. It was horrific. Oh, it sounds dreadful. By the way, there's a rather nice moment um, before the Onslow and Daisy football joke resumes mm. where after Hyacinth has informed Richard that he's going to do the electrics in the church hall, mm. she's doing a bit of dusting and she dusts his head and then <laughs> down his face. <laughs> I love how she gets humour out of a duster. Yes, it's yeah, it's great. Um, in Onslow's bedroom, again, we have Rose. Father thinks he's back in the war. Again, literally had the same plot point for the last couple of episodes. Mm. Colonel Dawlish is mentioned, whoever that is, but apparently he's very handsome, according to Rose, obviously. Um, Richard, they're now in the car. They're in driving. the rover. Yeah, they're driving. Heading for the church hall. And Richard is being sort of, hyped up by Hyacinth, I think, to use a modern phrase, and is putting himself down. And Hyacinth says, don't talk like that because you have both a cash and a credit card. <laughs> yes. Can we just talk through a cash... So a cash card would be like what we call a debit card now. Yes. And a credit card is a credit card. Yes. But the... Was that um, a status symbol in the early 90s or not? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be. Okay. Yeah, so um, you had... So what did I have? I used to have a a credit card and then what was my what was my card? I had a card that you had to use uh when writing out a check. Oh. I can't remember the name of that. Maybe that was the cash card. And it then became what was known as a switch card. Yeah. Switch was before a debit card. Um and that's how it then kind of morphed into a debit card. Mm. But yeah, back in the day, you would have to go, you'd go into, um, for example, a supermarket and you'd have to write out a check for your supermarket shopping. And then they would check your card to make sure it guaranteed enough money for the check. Oh, okay. Yeah. How, how banking's come on. Yeah, yeah, it certainly yeah. has come on. So yes, he did have a, um, he's, someone who has both a cash and credit card is clearly an executive. Yes, and clearly can do electrics. Yes. Do you I think I'd allow you to appear in public if you weren't reasonably dressed. Being reasonably dressed isn't really the point. Electrical people normally wear overalls. Uh, he's worried he might electrocute the vicar, which I think is just a funny image. Yes, our friend. Yes, electrocuting that vicar. Um, they arrive at the vicarage and, well, Richard is still, he's so worried about doing these electrics. Because you get dusty. Yeah, yeah. You get dusty when you do electrics. He doesn't think he's wearing the right attire. No. So he suggests that he might be better off wearing overalls, at which point 
Hyacinth, there's the window slightly open in the car. Hyacinth tries to block the gap in the window and says, Richard, do keep your voice down, dear. I will not have you spreading rumours. I'm married to someone who wears overalls. She wants him to do the electrics executively. Which, if he was doing it executively, he would be standing over somebody else telling them what to do. Yes. I believe. That is the definition. (laughs) Is that how an executive does electrics? I think it's how a lot of executives work. The vicar and his wife are discussing Richard coming to do the electrics. Inside. Um, Inside the vicar's little lobby. That's right. New vicarage set and new vicarage outside the one we've had previously in the series. Uh, the vicar opens the front door, and to his horror, there's Hyacinth. Yes, just before, just before the, she, he opens the door, the doorbell goes. Do you mm-hmm. know what tune the doorbell plays? Which I think is hilarious for a vicarage. It's obviously done on purpose. Go on. All things bright and beautiful. Yes. Which is lovely. And there are crucifixes everywhere in that set. The, the very crude uh, sort of set dressing. Just stick a crucifix everywhere. <laughs> ah, I'll go. <laughs> Vicar. Quick scene of Onslow and Daisy. Daddy blows the bugle. Yeah. That's it, really. Onslow and Daisy don't really care. Back at the vicarage, Hyacinth is following the vicar's wife. Now, I like this moment. Mm. Because the vicar's wife is struggling with a heavy box. Yeah. And Hyacinth is following behind. Doesn't offer any help whatsoever. Um, and there's that nice moment where she walks into the door... <laughs> when the uh, the vicar's wife mentions um, that Mrs Drummond might be coming along. and Oh, Mrs Drummond! Bang! Straight into the door. It's a nice moment. Maybe another drum beat. <laughs> yes, quite. Oh, oh! Is that the phone? Be my white slim line telephone with last number redial. We'll answer it when we'll be back in a jiffy. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back, Bucketheads, for the last episode of Series 4, It's the seventh episode of Keeping Up Appearances. We're talking about Let There Be Light. And Hyacinth and Richard, they're at the village hall. Now, Hyacinth and the vicar's wife have heard a car pull up outside. And there was a brief glimmer of hope that it may be Mrs Drummond. But it's not. It's Liz and Emmett who've arrived to lend a hand. And Hyacinth appears outside and says, Oh, we thought you may be the Drummonds. You know, the Drummonds from the Grinch. I love Liz as the character. She's really nice. I think she's arguably one of the only really genuinely nice people in this. Mm. Um, and she offers to wait with Hyacinth because she thinks, oh, no, we can't let Hyacinth wait mm. outside. I mean, it, look, it's, a, it's the village hall in Northampton. I mean, it's not, it's not Basra. It's, it's going to be OK. <laughs> but Liz, Liz offers nonetheless. And, of course, Hyacinth puts her down and says, I don't think so, dear. You're not wearing a hat. Yes. As if somehow Mrs Drummond is is basically royalty. And Hyacinth has been, she's been given the task of waiting for the Drummonds. Well, I think actually she volunteers herself, really, doesn't she, to stand outside and wait for Mrs Drummond. Because then she will be the first impression that Mrs Drummond has of their bring and buy. Can't leave her standing out there. Yes, I can. (laughs) Richard is entering a very small, dark electrical cupboard uh, where he seems to find the vicar hiding. Yes, and before he finds the vicar, he sort of jumps and he's scared at something. And only when watching this on a proper sort of, I say proper television, a television that we have today versus the one I had as a seven-year-old watching this on VHS, I real, I thought that was, I didn't realise that's a pantomime horse head. Yeah. Yeah. In my head, as a child, that was just some sort of like huge, massive cobweb nest. And now I realise it's a pantomime horse head. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be honest, it blew my mind yesterday when I watched this Did episode. it really? Yeah. Gosh. Blew my little tiny mind. Well, the vicar's hiding down there, and the vicar scares the living daylights out of Richard as well. So I much think you'll so- find he's not hiding, he's meditating. Oh, he is meditating, that's right. Richard blows his candle out by accident because he's so frightened. Yeah. Um, they relight the candle, and it becomes apparent. The vicar really, as you say, is not hiding. He is meditating, but clearly he is hiding. Yeah. Uh, there's a rather irrelevant scene at Onslow and Daisy's, Colonel Dawlish, Sentry Duty, Daddy, Daddy yeah. or you get the picture. That's right. Hyacinth is now still waiting outside the church hall, and a couple of women arrive in... Do you know what vehicle they arrive in? <laughs> More car chat. What is it? It's a red car. It's not a red car. Well, it is. It is, I believe, a dark orange oh. mini clubman. Right. A mini clubman Oh, estate. they have them now. They do have a new but version they don't of, look like that. of a mini clubman, yes. And I like the way when Hyacinth goes up to the two <laughs> women, she says, what a dinky little car. <laughs> I expect it's very economical. <laughs> yeah. But she wants them to put it somewhere else. Yes, and Pamela Abbott, who's driving that. Of course she is. <laughs> Good old Pam. <laughs> We've seen her before and also at the church hall. Really? She was in the choir for Daisy's Toy Boy that episode how do you even know that because i sit on imdb and i look through all the cast and what else they've done oh my word yes 
Um, so she says, oh, could you put the car somewhere else? Because this place is reserved for Mrs Drummond. From the Grange, you know. And they chase Hyacinth in the Mini Clubman. Yeah, nothing funnier than a bit of hit and run. That's right. Yes. That's but the... It is funny because watching Hyacinth run with her high heels on is funny, isn't it? <laughs> it Trying to hold on to her hat. Um, the, inside the church hall, a little bit of business. Um, the vicar's wife has put Liz away from Hyacinth or Hyacinth away from Liz, which Liz seems very appreciative. And then Hyacinth comes in and announces to everyone, she's still outside, just in case you're missing yes. me. She's waiting for the drums. She's desperate for attention. Richard is still trying to fix the uh, the electrics down in the cupboard. And the vicar probes him about his marriage. He does. There's a kind of man-to-man moment, isn't mm. there, down there in the dark between the vicar and good old Richard. And... They start talking about where where they normally hide. Where do you hide? And Richard likes to hide in the bathroom, he says. In fact, he spends quite a long time in the bathroom. Do you spend a long time in the bathroom? No. Do you not? No. I mean, if I do, I do if I'm cleaning it. Oh. Yes. I love to spend a long time in the bathroom. Really? Yes, I do. The bathroom's one of my favourite rooms in the house. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. <laughs> You look genuinely quite appalled. <laughs> I just think there are so many more interesting rooms. Well, it depends what you're doing. Yeah. Hyacinth <laughs> is outside, still waiting for Mrs Drummond. From the Grange, you know. And to her horror, who's coming towards her down the drive? Not Mrs Drummond. Onslow. Onslow in... The Cortina. Oh, I've got a car fact for you in a minute. Oh, have you? Yes. Okay. So they arrive. Uh, there's a hilarious explosion, much lacking in the last one, uh, but there is a really funny explosion yeah. as the Cortina comes to a halt. And some very bad gesticulations to her family. And actually, I was thinking, if I'm a hyacinth, no one else knows necessarily that they're her family. She could have just walked over and done her sort of, like she does in series two with the sofa. Yeah. The sort of the body language just to say, could you just park over here? Yeah. She doesn't want them leaving the Cortina there. She wants them to follow her. Uh, and as they follow her and the car grinds to a halt, who have they brought with them? And I think this is the only time they ever take this with them. They've taken the dog with them mm. in the car. The dog leans out of the window, barks at Hyacinth, and Hyacinth falls in the bins. <laughs> it's a nice moment. Never mind the privet hedge. She's fallen in the bins. Now... For This is my car fact. To be fair, it's also the internet's. Quite excited about this. For Onslow's dog to leap out at Hyacinth through the Ford Cortina, Mark IV, through the rear door window at the church hall, the glass in the window would have had to have been fully removed because on that model of car, the glass did not go all the way down. Oh, I love it. It was a child-safe window, was it? Yeah. and Well, I think all the windows, because actually if you look at... Onslow's, the, the driver's window, which is rolled down, it, it's sort of down, but there's a bit of a lip, you know, a bit of glass sticking up. So clearly what they've done in the Ford Cortina has had to remove the glass. No, the front windows would have gone all the way down. Oh, well, it's not all the way down in the in the episode, but in uh, the back window didn't go all the way down. Gosh. So, so they did, go. they removed the glass, clearly. So the dog could pounce. It's for- a nice moment. Um Mrs. Drummond then does arrive. In her, what I can only, it's a Volvo estate. Yes, it is. Yes, I know that. Mm -hmm. 
sort of a, a very navy blue aristocratic car. <laughs> That's right. You know that. Yes. One. In fact, have you ever told you my Volvo story? No, but I. As somebody who owned, I believe, nine Volvos, I love a Volvo. So tell me your Volvo story. So I aged 15 or 16. It was a seminal point in my life. And we were on holiday in Devon, in Thurlston. I think that's in Devon. It might be in Cornwall, but that part of the world. And it was the summer where I had done my GCSEs and I was waiting for the results. And I didn't think I was going to do very well. I actually did fine. But I really didn't think I was going to do very well. And I didn't think I was going to be able to progress to A-level. I was having a crisis of confidence. And so I burst into my parents' hotel bedroom one evening before dinner and announced that I was going to go and train to be a butler. Right. And this was just a few months before etiquette became a thing. Etiquette was a thing in my life, but not not a thing where I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do this. And my mother sat me down. They were horrified. Why? I think you'd be a very good butler. You'd be like Sir John Gilgood in Arthur. Exactly. I thought I'd be excellent. I still think I'd be excellent. If this all dries up, I'm going to go and become a butler (laughs) or a house manager. But clearly, I think they were worried because that meant I was staff. Oh. And my mother sat me down and sort of in her rather hadn't really thought it through in terms of how she gets me to not be a butler. She said, I don't think there's much money in being a butler. How are you going to feel when your brother is earning a lot of money, driving around in his Volvo. <laughs> and and I, I just burst out laughing at that point and went, a Volvo? Like, you know, it's a nice car, but I wouldn't say, you know, you just start driving around his Bentley. Hang on, so your Volvo story is you being snobby about Volvos. Well, it's What's not wrong me with a being, Volvo? No, nothing's wrong with a Volvo, but if you're trying to convince someone, a Volvo isn't necessarily an aspirational car. It is. How dare you? A Volvo? No, but you'd go a Bentley or a, or a Mercedes. Only if you're nouveau riche. No, well, yeah, but if you are understated luxury and executive, you drive a Volvo or a Saab. <laughs> Saab? Yes, back in the day. Well, yeah, okay. Yes. Honestly, I will not, I will not have you undermining a Volvo. I have always wanted. I, in fact, I have. I have said to my husband. I said at some point in our life we have to own a Volvo. Good so luck. I... Good luck trying to buy a Volvo now. Have you seen the price of Volvos? Oh no, they're very expensive vehicles. Why are they German? Scandinavian. No, they're Swedish. They're Scandinavian luxury. Okay, they are. Well, I need to own one at some point. Well, you clearly do. Once you've had a Volvo, if you're going to crash in anything, you'd like it to be a Volvo. <laughs> Honestly, not a VW. No, Volvo's safest cars in the world. Oh. Keeping up appearances, the luxury podcast is sponsored by Volvo. <laughs> you put it out into the world. Yes, yes. maybe they can sponsor us. Yeah, that'd now, be honestly, nice. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, because I just thought that was a ridiculous thing. Like, also, James, he drives a Suzuki at the moment, so. Does he? Yeah. We're a way off a of Volvo. Wow. Well, I think a Volvo is a very nice car. Very no, well, no, I, I think it's, I, I wasn't being, I just think it was an odd car to pick in the heat of a moment for a darling, you need to earn money. So you can drive a Volvo. Yes. What's yeah. wrong with that? I've always liked your mother. Yeah, well, she's a funny old fish. <laughs> anyway, Mrs. Drummond arrives in her Volvo. Mrs. Drummond fact, did you ever watch Crossroads? Um, well, no, but I have seen the uh, wonderful programme, Nolly. Yes, excellent. Well, uh, Sue Lloyd was the actress who played Mrs Drummond, and she was in 318 episodes of Crossroads. She played 
Barbara Brady. Oh, did she? I don't know who that is because I didn't watch it. But if you are a Crossroads fan, that is Mrs Drummond. Mrs Drummond has arrived and she has brought with her her two Labradors. Her dogs. Uh, a brown Labrador, chocolate Labrador and a black Labrador. I knew you'd know the breed. Yes, and her dogs are in the back of the Volvo and she suggests that Hyacinth might like to look after her dogs while she's in there. So uh, Hyacinth says, oh, yes, I'll look after her dogs. Um, and then there's that wonderful moment where she taps on the window to have a little chat to the dogs and the dogs leap at the window, barking away ferociously. So Hyacinth backs up. She then heads over towards the Cortina, hoping to find Onslow there, who knows about dogs. And the other dog, Onslow's dog, um, leans out of the window, barks at her, and she does a double roll over the boot. It's complete hyacinth carnage. I love it. It's lovely. And then she worries where Onslow is. And if he's gone inside, please, God, let think it's a reflection from the stained glass window and it's Goliath. Now, we have a moment where we get an insight into who Mrs Drummond is. Mm. And what kind of person Mrs. Drummond is. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know me, I like to be direct. Yes. Mrs. Drummond's a cow. <laughs> She's a horrible cow, isn't she? Yes, well, your parking lady is walking my dogs. Very kind of her. Bit of a simple so, really, but I expect she'll manage. Um, She's in with the vicar's wife and she's, I mean, she's horrible. And then the vicar's wife, again, is struggling with, uh, I believe it's a a tray of cups and saucers, isn't Mm, it, that she's going in. And again, Mrs Drummond got absolutely no class whatsoever because she doesn't offer to help, does she? No, no. Doesn't open the door. Um, And calls a hyacinth, how offensive, a simple soul. That's right. Daddy appears. In a gas mask. In a gas mask and scares the vicar's wife and she drops the whole tray with all the cups and saucers all over the floor. This is where the big crescendo of this episode begins. Now, dogs, let's have no unpleasantness. Remember where you are. Outside, we've got Hyacinth gently opening the the boot of the luxury (laughs) Volvo. (laughs) And you just hear the... (laughs) In order to try and put the dogs on the leads. And apparently in the original script, again, this is a hugely modified one by Harold Snowd, as the latter scripts tended to be, um, he had he, Roy Clark had written that Hyacinth was trying to get a, a young boy to help her establish the sex of the dogs. <laughs> How weird! <laughs> I'm glad they went with what they went with. <laughs> yes, it's fairly easy to tell, anyway. Oh, is it? What? Oh, yes, I guess. Sex of a dog? Of course, it is. A couple of giveaways. Yeah. Um, Onslow has arrived in the cupboard, the electrical cupboard, where the vicar and Richard are still under there. Richard's still, he's just making the final touches to his electrical, <laughs> to his electrical masterpiece. And Emmett joins them as well. Yes, they're all down there. Um, and they have the big switch on. Yes, like Regent Street. Yes, there's a bit of a countdown, isn't there, to yes. the switch on. And as they switch it on... The beginning of the explosion start. Yes, they sort of they've got the sort of they've got some sort of game on the stage, haven't they? With, with light sort of lights, yes. and that obviously wasn't working. One of them comes on, blows. Yeah, and one by one they blow. Daddy, bang, bang, bang! Sounds like guns. Daddy thinks it is the war. Crashes the teacups to the side. Yeah. Um, Outside, Hyacinth's with the dogs. She's holding on to the dogs, who she's now got out of the car on the lead. 
And I just love this moment. The explosion from inside the church hall is so great, it blows the doors off. It's it, it, They were only meant to blow the bloody doors off, but it was, <laughs> it, it's a good explosion. It's a really good like, explosion. That is the that is the Northampton or Wellingborough Road where, where, yeah, where the church is. Yeah, they blew the doors off. Yeah, good on them. Yeah. It's brilliant. You can tell the budget went up. That's right. And the uh, so the explosion happens. Everybody kind of staggers out, dazed, bewildered, covered in soot from the explosion. And Richard delivers the wonderful line, I think I'm better with Christmas tree lights. End. Cue the end credits. And there series four comes to an end. Yeah, I love that episode. What do you think the best and worst episode of Series 4 is? Oh, my favourite episode in Series 4 mm. is the Indoors Outdoors Luxury Barbecue. Yes. C.P. Benedict. That, for me, is the magical episode in this series. I would agree. Or maybe the one last week, Please Mind Your Head. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two. So what's your weakest I would say the weakest for me is probably the Commodore episode, actually. Yeah. It's the one where... Even though it's got that middle section that's hysterical. Yes, but I have to be honest with you. If I'm re-watching Keeping Up Appearances, when I get to the Commodore episodes, quite often I will skip it. Oh. Mm. Call okay. me old-fashioned, but I will. Yeah, okay. Mm. I would say looking at properties. Oh. Is the weakest. Sorry, no. Uh... Yes, I'd say looking at properties, the the when they find Marston Hall. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Well, each to their own, William. Exactly. But overall, Series 4 is a good series, I it, think. It certainly is. Haven't we had fun talking about it? We've had lots of fun. And thank you, Bucketheads, for for tuning in each week and listening to us. And for all your, we've had some letters sent in to us this series to say thank you. The social media interaction has been wonderful. And also a special shout-out to uh, my friend Declan. And his husband, Harry, messaged me to say that Declan has become obsessed with with you in particular, Jonathan. Wow. I know, he's special. He's become obsessed with you, and particularly with your story from way back when in this podcast with your neighbours that were having sex. The amazing! Amazing, oh yeah. And apparently we'll just often quote that. Right. And various other Jonathan Vernon Smith quotes to Harry, completely randomly. Would you like a bikini? That's a classic, isn't it? That's <laughs> what they like. Well, hello to both of you. And thank you to everybody for listening. Yes. We love the fact that you indulge our eccentricity. Indeed. And talking of eccentricity, a little tally of roses, men, as we do often at the end. How many's how many's the old slapper had in this series? Well, how many do you think? I don't know. Two. Only two? Dry as a nun. Yo. <laughs> God, what a thought. CP Benedict in episode three. Oh, yes, three. good old CP. And Mr. Murchiston got me, uh, got a mention in 4.6. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's it. Really, really, really quite a, a celibate series. It has been a celibate series. Hope well, she's okay. So what's next for the bouquets? Well, brace yourselves, everyone. As we have said before, some of the best episodes in this entire series involve water mm -hmm. and arguably... The pièce de résistance of the the jewel in the crown of Keeping Up Appearances is our next episode, and it's a one-hour special. The QE2! Now, what happened with Keeping Up Appearances is they basically took a year off, but they did two Christmas specials. 
the QE2 Christmas special, and then the year after, which was Angel Gabriel Blue. And we will be talking about those episodes next when we return in some time for uh, some special episodes about those two episodes. It's great. If you want to keep up with the bouquets, you know you can listen to William and me chatting through every episode of series one, two, three, and now four. We won't be back next week, but we will be back, we hope, very soon. I'm sure you'll miss us terribly, but you can always iron our little vests in the meantime. Do tell your friends about our luxury podcast. In the meantime, goodbye. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.